What a privilege to be here. What a privilege to be in live worship instead of singing along from at home. It is incredible uh, just to be together with a group like this. It, I've not been in a context like this since March the 18th when I came back from America. And I've, I've been socially isolated for all that time since. So it's wonderful to get this kind of fellowship together this morning. And John, the word, John is actually here. John, the word you brought, you might as well come and preach the message. It, I, I love it. I said to my wife this morning as we were praying, I'll guarantee I get up to speak and there'll be a prophetic word which either says the whole thing or I can just flow off it. And I'm so grateful for the gift of prophecy. I want to speak to you particularly. It's a very challenging word this morning. Don't put your suit of armor on. Don't hold your shield up above your head to save yourself. Open your heart to receive what God wants to say to to us. And I believe we can move forward. This current crisis has been an amazing opportunity for us to come off the accelerator of life and to come onto the brake. And as we stop and we start to listen, we start to hear new things. And I went for a walk the other day. I'm walking through our village. I live over in Freeland. I'm walking towards the river. And as I'm walking down there, I felt I heard the Lord say to me, breaking the mold whilst keeping the image. Breaking the mold whilst keeping the image. Pursuing change. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. It's very important we pursue change, but the image we do it in is even more important. I want to read to you from J.B. Phillips' translation of Hebrews 1. This is what he says about the Son, who is the image, he's the pattern of everything that we follow, Jesus. God, who gave our forefathers many different glimpses of the truth in the words of the prophets, has now, at the end of the present age, given us the truth in the Son. Through the Son, God made the whole universe, and to the Son... He has ordained that all creation shall ultimately belong. You know the scripture, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything that dwells within. This sun is the radiance of God. Philip says he's actually the divine outray. If you have a problem with a father, you should never have a problem with the father because the son who loves you and gives himself for you and loved the world so much that he came on his father's orders to save us and to bring us to himself is the absolute image of the father, like father, like son. He's the divine outray of God, the radiance of the glory of God, flawless expression of the nature of God, himself upholding the principle of all that is, effected in person the reconciliation between God and man, and then took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, thus proving himself by the more glorious name that he's won, far greater than all the angels of God. That's why I love Jesus. He just shows everything of the nature of God. But what about you and me? We're to show the exact image and nature of God ourselves. Oh boy, what a challenge. Thank God for the Holy Spirit to help us. This is what he says in Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I remind the bugs as I walk along, I have dominion in Jesus' name. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God doesn't make mistakes over gender. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw that it was good. We call that the dominion mandate. Biblically, what does the image of God look like? I'm looking at some of them seated across here, socially distanced. You'd be amazed if you could see what's happening here. It looks like an English picnic, but not on Bournemouth Beach. Everyone is very well distanced from each other. Look at Joseph. Joseph was made in God's image, but he had to break the family mold that was on him. He was the second youngest. He was the one who received the dreams and the supernatural visitations from God, and the others didn't. They were jealous of him. They were envious of him. They put him in a pit. He ends up in prison. He goes from prison to the palace, and God brings him through. He saw all those things that had happened to him as opportunities, not obstacles. How do you see it? How do you see the pattern and the mold of the family in which you were brought up in? Deborah. She's the second prophetess that you find after Miriam. She's the fourth judge. She was a warrior woman. In Israel at that time, that was ridiculous. It couldn't be expected. She broke the glass ceiling. She came beyond the mold and into the image. And she represented God in an incredible way. She's actually called in Judges 5-7, the mother of Israel. Fancy having that in your legacy. Daniel kept the image of the one true God. When he was in a nation that was absolutely full of foreign gods. He was unintimidated amongst the demonic. How about you? Esther broke the mold of convention, saved a whole nation. John the Baptist turned the wilderness into a crowded place with his unrelenting message of repentance. And he always challenged the status quo. I must admit, when I first started in the things of God, I wanted to be John the Baptist. Dressed like him, looked like him. I didn't fancy the locusts, but I enjoyed the honey. He challenged the status quo. Jesus, I don't think Jesus even knew there was a mold. In fact, if there was a, was a mold, he broke it when he left heaven. He emptied himself and emptied himself and emptied himself and emptied himself till he was a microcosm that could be actually transplanted into a virgin's womb and came to earth and changed everything. Radically, revolutionary, began to save lives in a way that had never been done before. Peter broke the mold of his Jewish prejudice in his encounter with the Caesarean, Caesarean centurion and changed dramatically into the image of Jesus. If you are having trouble as a disciple, take heart from the fact that Peter's in the Bible. If you have a big mouth, take heart that Peter's in the Bible. It can come under control. If you make crazy statements and then don't follow them through, there is hope for you because Peter's in the Bible. That mold can be broken till you become made in the image of Jesus. Paul was a lover of the law. 
and an enemy of Christ's followers. A divine encounter transformed him in his work and his life. And still today, I was reading this morning in Ephesians 1. Here he talks in a way about being made in the image of Christ. 17 times in him, in him, in him. Totally transformed. Why am I telling you this? You'll find out shortly. He moved from being a murderer to becoming a builder. First time I ever went to Uganda in 1987, I was with a man called Mohammed, who was my interpreter. Seven or eight hundred pastors gathered, and I actually said to the pastor, Mohammed, the interpreter, is this guy saved? I said, yeah, he's saved. He used to be one of Idi Amin's main killers. His job was to kill the Christians that were brought in, that needed to be removed from the nation. Here he was, a transformed guy. Transformation is something that the Holy Spirit is about. Transforming us from the molds in which we find ourselves into the release, liberty and freedom of what God wants. Timothy made in the image of God but trapped in the mold of timidity. Through discipleship became an apostolic leader in the church in Ephesus. You read it in the Bible. Think of having a leader that would be timid. You have Steve Jones in this church. You have Mark Ely. They're not timid. You imagine the most timid person in your church and God was able to break that mold and actually two books of the Bible are written to this guy. Nothing is beyond the reach of God. Lydia, woman of prayer, the owner of a house which became the base for the church in Philippi. Read it in the Acts of the Apostles. She broke the synagogue mold. Aquila and Priscilla. Now, To have a married couple actually as a model in a church is a miracle. Most of the teams that I work with are full of married couples because we believe in miracles. And when you see that in the Bible, you see there is a place. They were the first husband and wife team recorded in the New Testament in ministry as tent makers who were alongside the Apostle Paul on his team working in Corinth, Ephesus and Rome. These guys were all breaking the mold under heaven's anointing. And that's a big thing. We haven't got a lot of time. You'll have to invite me back to speak about this. But anointing is one of the greatest ways to break through. The scriptures say, by the anointing, God destroys the yoke. I know that's not very kosher with the younger generation. But anointing, you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you'll see nothing happen. Anointing brings the breakthrough. And why do we need anointed? Because we have to break molds. We were singing songs this morning about breaking through, breaking things off us. We sing about break every chain. We have no idea of the chains that are around us, the grave cloths that are on us. We have so many Lazaruses in our midst that need to be unbound and unwound and let free. A mold is something that's rigid. It's something that's hollow. An image is something that's dynamic, it's moving, it's fluid, it's mobile, it's flexible. We have to learn to live in the tension of both. And that's what we've got in our society right now. Tremendous tensions because there's a mold which is having to be broken. But there's a way we go about it that's redemptive, not destructive. There's a way to go about it where we demonstrate the outray of the divine, the love of the Son of God. We have a problem in this because some people like the mold. Some people love the comfort of everything being the same. Remember one time there was a lady coming for a meal with her husband, with my wife and I, and we were walking along and she didn't know she was coming for a meal. 
and we invited her on the walk and it threw her for the next five minutes she's a very intelligent woman with a degree in a very unusual language but she could not cope with the fact that we'd invited her and in the end she said I'm in a panic because I have worked out what my recipes are for every meal this week and I've done my shopping accordingly and if we come to you I'm going to have food left over what am I going to do I said give it away come for a meal with us you can be restricted by the very mold that you think is helpful. And there's a story in the Bible, which is one of the most scary stories I've ever read. If you've got your Bible with you and you turn to the prophet Jeremiah and the 48th chapter, we'll find something in here that describes very graphically what is a major problem for most of our churches. What is a major problem for most of us as individuals? which is something that we don't want to change because it's too challenging and too uncomfortable to read about. And this is the specific word that I felt I was to bring to Oxford. So I'm going to talk specifically to Oxford, but this is generic that we're talking about here. Breaking the mold whilst keeping the image. And in this story, it's about Moab. And Moab was wealthy. And Moab was well known for its trade. And Moab was well defended. And Moab had a position where the international scene didn't affect it too greatly because it was an international scene within itself. And it was comfortable with who it was and what it was and where it was. And the prophet speaks to it. And in the 10th verse, he says this, Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord with slackness. In other words, they got comfortable. And cursed is he who keeps back his sword from bloodshed. In other words, they didn't want fight. And then he says this strange thing. Moab has been at ease from his youth and settled on his dregs. He's not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. Now you know what happens if you don't empty the wine from vessel to vessel, you're left with sediment. Begins to come at the bottom. It's horrible. And there comes a time that has to be poured out and the sediment mustn't come through. It's drained off and strained off. And something new comes and a new container has to be found. And the important thing is not the container. The important thing is what's inside the container. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Nor has he gone into exile. So his taste remains in him and his scent is not changed. Therefore, behold... The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall send to him pourers who will pour him and empty his vessels and break his jars in pieces. Then Moab shall be ashamed of Chemosh, that was his God, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. So I'm sitting on this word and I'm praying over this word. I talked with Mark about it. God had given Mark a word, a very significant word. We, we've shared that word with your leaders across the region on Friday. And they're weighing that word now. And change is going to come. Are you ready for it? And then suddenly, no sooner had we finished the conversation with all your leaders on the prayer meeting, and what an encouragement it was for me to be involved in that meeting. As they talked about a situation, prayed about it. Talked about the situation, prayed about it. And the way they deferred to one another and listened to one another. It was a joy. I work with teams. And to see a team that were working together and listening together and open to receive from the Lord together was an inspiration for me. Mary Norwich. 
Mary Norwich and her husband Jeff, Jeff who is now my pastor, now Barney Coombs has died, Chris and I began the first work in Whitney in this region many, many years ago. Mary calls me. She said, I know you're going to Oxford. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what's going on, but God's given me a word. Like Barry Wood, who they worked with for many years in Kidlington and Mary. She said, it was amazing. It was so strong. I said, what was it? She said, Oxford, I want to shake it up. And immediately, she said, I saw a glass beaker in a laboratory. And it had different sections in it of liquid, water. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. You're a scientist, Jeremy. And different layers of chemicals. And she said, I want to shake it up. Now, when the shaking starts, do not panic because you're in the hand of the one who's shaking it. Don't be afraid of this, but change is coming. And our problem is we often choose to settle more than we choose mobility. That can cause us to dwell in a mold rather than express the image in a dynamic, flexible, and mobile way. Hence the warning from Jeremiah to Moab. Now you know that Jesus talked about wineskins. Do you remember that? And the Pharisees had come to him and the scribes and given him a real hard time in Matthew chapter 9. And then John the Baptist's disciples come along and they give him a hard time. And they say, why are you guys not fasting? Like the Pharisees fast and like we fast. In other words, why don't you do things the way we've always done things? And Jesus said, listen, my disciples have got the bridegroom with them at the moment. It's like a wedding. And soon he'll be taken away. There'll be plenty of time to fast. But right now, I've got to tell you a story. And he told them the story about wineskins. And trying to put a new patch on an old wineskin. I'm not talking about a new patch on an old wineskin. I'm talking about a new wineskin. I believe the Holy Spirit wants a new wineskin. And he wants the wine to be moved without the sediment from the past. But the life of the past and the life of the future needs to expand a new wineskin. That's going to take a lot of prayer, a lot of courage, and a lot of fasting. Praise God. That's your responsibility, not mine. And there was one other warning that Jesus gave in the scripture. Nicodemus came to see Jesus. And Nicodemus, I don't know if you understand this, but Nicodemus, when he asked the question, he said, you're a great teacher. We, we like what you're doing. And, and that's really good. And Can you tell me? Something, And he talks to him about being born again. And Nicodemus has not got the first clue what he's talking about. Not the first clue. And Jesus said, how can you, who were supposed to be the teacher in Israel, not understand this? It was a question of revelation. It was a question of, would he be willing to exchange the old for the new? For he was a man who completely understood the law. We must do it like this. We must do it like this. We must do it like this. And Jesus was saying, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, seeing is different to entering. So we're born again, we see the kingdom of God. But you don't enter it except by baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit and then when you've entered it 
You have to learn how to follow the wish of the wind. And the translation of the wind blows wherever it wants to is, whatever the wish of the wind is, we follow. John's word this morning was very clear. It's not our planning. It's his spirit moving and his word directing that will take us into the next day. He's signaling change is coming. We call to be change agents. We call to be mobile. We call to be flexible. There's no place for rigidity in what we do. Even the structures that we build have to be flexible. Now, a wineskin when it's young and new is very flexible. A wineskin when it's old is not at all. You guys are young. How old are you? 22. Okay, I'm 72. I give you 50 years start and I'll still beat you from end to end, okay? Because I'm still flexible. And if he says go, I go. If he says stay, I stay. The days of doing my thing are finished. Now I'm older, like Peter. Jesus said to Peter, the day will come when you will no longer go where you wanted and do what you wanted, but you will go where you're led. We're moving to a new place. There's a lot more I could say here, but time's running out. So for time's sake, I want to say this. Talk with your friends after you've talked with the Lord yourself. Three questions. What molds must I break from personally? Second thing. What molds do we need to break out from in our churches? That's not your responsibility. It's your leaders. If God gives you prophetic words, take them and serve them with them. Don't demand that they do them. Thirdly, and this is the big one. What image am I reflecting? God bless you. In the work that you're going to do, we'll be praying for you. And if we can serve you in any way, we will do. May God increase this region.